0: Witty, thought-provoking, and uplifting, Southern Soul Livestream is a program that you'll invite your friends over to watch every week, where you'll learn about interesting guests and get to share in their fascinating experiences. Tune in each Thursday evening at 8 p.m. Eastern to connect with guests from across the generations and to laugh with our eclectic hosts, who are as charming as they are talented. And now, ladies and gentlemen, here's our host, Calvin. But, you know, I like what you're saying. If you're not thirsty, why must you be one or the other? Either you're thirsty or whatever. I just think it's crazy out there. Uh, Amisha, Latoya, who wants to go next? Share with us your observation. Anything you want to say to what uh, Chris has said or got in your own stories, your observations?
1: I mean, I would just say that I I see a lot of the same thing that that Dr. Chris has, has seen. Like, um there's just this expectation that you're going to just accept whatever it is that, that folks have to give. And even if you're very honest about what you need um, and what you expect and what you bring to the table. And I'm not just talking about financially. I mean, in terms of actually being willing to meet someone's needs, being vulnerable, it's like, sometimes you feel like that's still not enough. I'm like, what do you want? But um, you know, you look at communities like Atlanta, Where there are so many incredible, beautiful, amazing, talented, educated, successful women. I feel like sometimes men start, it's like being in a candy store. You know, like, well, if she won't do this, then this one will. And you see a lot of that, too.
0: Well, you know, Amisha, I happen to know from one of your stories, my favorite stories that you tell is when you took a trip to Texas. And you got a few um, stories from Texas. My favorite one is the passport story. Do you mind telling us the passport story as an example?
1: So I was um, out with my cousins in Texas celebrating my cousin's wedding. And I meet this gentleman at the bar. He told me he'd been watching me all evening and he wanted to meet me. And he introduced himself, let's just call him Greg. So he introduces himself. And the second thing out of his mouth was, what would you say if I asked you to go on a trip with me? I said, I would say you're a stranger and I don't know who you are and I don't even know your last name. So I wouldn't be going anywhere. He says, do you even have a passport? (laughs) Sir, sir, (laughs) sir. (laughs) Like My my family's West Indian. So I beg she pardon. I beg he pardon. That's what my grandmother would say. My Antiguan grandmother would say, because it's like, why are you even coming? You approach me and now you're insulting me and, and asking me to go on trips with you. Like, I don't know who you are. Like, I have no idea who you are. But I think that there are, you know, sometimes men are accustomed to women being moved by something like that. Um, and they, they shoot their shot.
0: Mm. I'm, I'm going to leave it there for a second. Latoya, Latoya, talk to us, Latoya. Now, you run into all types of people, Latoya. One thing I admire about you Is your story? I mean, I mean, I think you're from an island too, right? Mm Hmm. Trinidad, yeah. Okay, Trinidad, right. So, but at the same time, I love the fact that you are so down to earth, like Latoya, like Amisha, right, like Dr. Chris. But I think you encounter a a bit of, you know, foolishness as well. Any stories you want to share with us about what you've encountered, like as they say, in these streets?
2: Well, thank God, I'm no longer in the streets. Mm. I'm, I'm in a home now. Someone took me in. No, let me not say it like that. I'm just joking. <laughs> but yes, um, but uh, my my most recent date, which was before I got in a relationship, um, a date that I went on last year, I remember I, I, I met him online and he said, um, you know, just give it to me straight. You're beautiful. You're educated. You, you, you know, you seem successful. What's wrong with you? Why have you, Why are you not married? And he was 40. And I said, well, you're attractive and you got a good job and you're educated. You never been married. What's wrong with you? You know, it's like, it's interesting that there's an assumption that if a woman checks all these boxes and she's not married, it's like, oh, she must like, have mental illness or, you know, something's wrong with her. But men don't like see themselves in that same way. And I think it kind of goes back to what Dr. Chris was saying. It's almost like, there's this view that they're like a prize, you know, if they're, if, if they're like in their forties and they haven't been married, they're a prize versus if a woman is older and she hasn't been married, it's like, she's like leftovers. So, um, so it was interesting. So we go, we go on the date, which I I probably shouldn't have gone after he done verbally abused me before we even went Mm. to the date. Right. But I go on the date and, you know, I just, I just didn't feel connection. I've been on a lot of first dates. Uh, I, and then usually if I've gone on a second date, it's a person I end up being in a relationship with a really long time because I just don't do, I'm just not the type of person to be like, well, I didn't really like him, but let me see. Let me see. And then I'm like, oh, after three dates, I didn't like him. Like, no, like I usually know if I like you or not after date one. So I, I wasn't interested in going on a second date, but I didn't communicate that. I just, just didn't communicate. So he calls me. And he was just like, hey, so, you know, I'm just checking in, like, what are we doing? Like, what? And I'm like, what are we doing? Like, I just mm. went on one day with you, but whatever. Okay, he was like, you know, because you're not getting any younger, you know? So, and I was just like, is this how you convince a woman to be with you? Through verbal abuse and bringing her self-esteem down? So I was like, uh, I'm not interested. I said, but let me give you some feedback. So it could you could, you know, get some guidance on the next go around of this. Uh, Yeah. So that was, that was definitely my most, and that was actually the first time I I went on a date with somebody that was 40. So it was just over 40. So I was just like, Ooh, I, I, I'm glad to be off the streets at this point.
0: (laughs) Wow. You know, I heard a few things, right. And fellas, if you're listening, if, With a woman like Latoya, she only do first dates. And if you can get to the second date, well, it's too late now because, you know, she says she's off the market. But if you can get to the second date, then you're doing something good. But don't say anything stupid. And I can only imagine that uh, Dr. Chris kind of cringed a little bit when uh, the brother asked that question. Dr. Chris, what are your thoughts? I mean, what you hear in those exchanges?
3: There's a lot in all of these uh, exchanges and just the boldness with the men, but I think it gets back to the argument that I was making earlier. After the age of 40, and successful women men just think that they can kind of say anything and do anything and we're just going to be okay with it and to be honest some people are okay with it for every person that won't accept that nonsense there's 10 that will because they're pressed they want to be in a relationship they want to be able to check that box to say they're in a relationship so they'll take they'll take that kind of behavior but some people are like no i'm not having that and i appreciate the people that kind of stand up and be like no i'm going to push back against what you're saying and some of the negativity that you're bringing me
0: you know I, I definitely agree. I saw this real one time. Last year, we were doing a show, and we had this lady who was, like, so into her Bible study. She's actually coaching women. She has a Bible study for wives, right? And, you know, I had a high school buddy. I'm from Texas, right? And y'all got to understand, Texas, we do things a little different, right? But at the same time, you know, the machismo was very strong in Texas. So whenever, you know, I hear a Texas story, I kind of think, right, because it's literally— a whole different culture, different place. Ain't nothing wrong with Texas. It's just different culture, right? So he logs on. He doesn't understand that this sister is doing her thing, right? She's not a leader. She's a leader of leaders, right? And being a leader of leaders, I can only imagine that coming from where i came, you can kind of get away with stuff like that. You can be like, hey, little lady, just move on or do this, whatever. But he hadn't realized that he was in a different environment. He was here at Southern Soul, and it was a different experience. He was dealing with a leader of the leader. So he asked a little complicated question. He was like, yeah, I understand what you're doing about Bible stuff, but tell me this. And he didn't like a response because, you know, she didn't say what he wanted to hear. And he really got upset. He got defended, And he was, hes like, offended. He was like, "Well, uh, you know, whatever. And I just kind of, mm. yeah, I'm like, brother, that ain't going to work with that type of woman. But anyway. I I want to go back to, you know, different brothers. Uh, Amisha, I got another story. I love your stories, Amisha. Now, tell us about one-liners. Amisha, I know you happen to have the one-liners, and my favorite one-liner is when that brother was talking to you. I think you had another wedding, somewhere. I think you're in Dallas this time, right? And while you're there, Uh, a brother's asking you all these questions and he's coming at you all kind of way. I call it a buddy from my college. He used to call it the law of averages. You know, when you randomly try stuff and on average, if you, if something works, right. (laughs) So obviously I can tell from your story, this brother was practicing the law of averages. He was just trying random stuff that he hoped would work. Tell us about that story. It was it in Dallas, uh, Amisha, or was it a different thing?
1: Was this the one who told me that he doesn't,
0: Date black women? Yes, yes, that one. Tell me about that one. Ooh, I like that story. Tell us that story, Misha.
1: So um I'm I'm at this wedding and um end up having a conversation with this gentleman, and he makes me aware of the fact that he doesn't date black women. And I was like, Okay, pen a rose on your notes. Like, <laughs> okay, great. And he said, Um, and I've never even slept with a black woman. And I said, Oh. Better yet, makes sense. If you have never dated one, maybe you've also never slept with one. Great. And he said, but I could. Oh. And and I looked at him and I said, I, as soon as I looked at him, I said, you have issues with your mama." And he oh. said, what? What are you talking about? I said, you have issues with your mother. I said, you don't have any respect for black women. You have issues with your mother. And he got angry. But a couple hours later at the reception, he came over to me and he said, you know what? I'm actually doing a documentary I'm one, I found out, you know, I was adopted by a white family when I was um, three years old. I've been in 13 foster homes by that point. I have 14 siblings. I'm the only one who's successful. And he went on to say that he basically hates his mom. But just in our brief exchange, I could tell. I, I mean, I'm a very intuitive person, but just the way that he came at me, I said, your initial your initial relationship with a mother is broken. And I knew it just by the way he stepped to me. But he I guess he thought I was going to take one for the team because <laughs> he never dated or slept with a black woman.
0: <laughs> yeah, I would call that the law of averages. Now, I would love to hear some clap back or quick responses. Now, Amisha, I love yours because yours is my favorite one and I've memorized it. I think you may have told his brother, I don't know. He asked you something and you said, I don't know, go ask your mama. How often do you lose that, Amisha? And why do you tell people go ask their mama? I just I just need to know.
1: Because I'm not responsible, Calvin. Like I'm not responsible. Whatever they're coming to me with, it originated somewhere other than me. And I'm, at least I don't take ownership of that. Like whoever, who hurt you is usually my question. Like who hurt you? Um, because it wasn't me because I just met you. It, it definitely was not me. Um, but a lot of people are walking around out here broken and they don't want to do the healing because it hurts and it's scary. And, um, you know, and that's not my responsibility. Everybody has to take their journey and everybody has to acknowledge where their pain and where their hurt comes from. But, um, I definitely challenge people and ask the tough questions or if I feel something in my spirit, I say it and I'm usually right.
0: Awesome. Awesome. Latoya, you up next. Any thoughts on one-liners? I don't don't know, Latoya, you seem like uh, a brother may not make it to a second date with you if you say something crazy. Uh, But do you um, have any um, patented one-liners that you tell people when they say stuff off the cuff?
2: No. And I mean, I I would like to clarify the reason why people don't make a second date with me is because I'm very thoughtful about finances, like extremely Mm -hmm. thoughtful I don't waste my money and I also don't like wasting other people's money and you know in the just the social construct of dating men are supposed to pay you know and court us and things like that and it's like if I know this is not going anywhere I just think it's really unfair to make you spend money um so that that's usually why I don't I don't proceed for it it's just out of being thoughtful for people's pockets.
0: Hey, that's all respect right there because dating is expensive, especially, especially now, like, Oh my it's goodness. Insane. I ran the numbers once. Do you realize in Atlanta, you can, if you're a guy, you can get up to like 300, $400 a month just in dating.
2: Yeah. but that's, that's like cheap dating that's like dating someone Oh,
0: they they said, whoa. whoa. <laughs>
2: that's, like, that's like if you're dating women who don't drink alcohol you know like you know but if, if you're oh, going and that's on the cheap side
0: oh yeah that's that's they like you going out for Thai
2: alcohol. food you know and you having a Thai tea and that's it but if you taking someone to you know the James room you're taking them to breakfast at Barney's you're taking them to like nicer places like no, you're, you're going to spend, you know, uh, on average, a hundred dollars for a date, one date. So,
0: Ooh, I, yeah. you know, so I, think, and I think that's average. why
2: a lot of men are very like angry because they know that they have to pay. Cause my friends, they'll talk about, god friends will talk about that all the time. They're like, I don't see why I have to pay. And I'm like, I hear you you know but this is the social construct that we're in you know and so I can see how frustrating that would be especially if a woman has already decided she don't really like you but she's just going to keep going on dates I I back in back in the day in my youth in my mm. in, when I was like 25 there was this guy that I dated for 8 months and it was only because every time he called me it was to suggest us go on a date to a really nice place you know that was how he you know, he's like, oh, can, let's meet up here. And I'm like, oh, I've never been there before. And before I knew it, eight months had passed. And I didn't really like him. And he, did, come find out, he didn't like me, too. It was a few days before Christmas. We both kind of had this conversation. Because, you know, come around Christmas time, now you got to get gifts. And I'm like, Uh-oh. I'm really going to have to get you a gift. Really? I and mean, I know, you know, we ain't really going nowhere. So we had this conversation. And we both realized, like, damn, we actually really don't like each other but we love the restaurants and the experiences that we were having
0: I call that an activity partner Mm.
2: yeah so I just I just try to like you know be be thoughtful with that but back to the one-liner thing though something that a date that I had that really stuck with me I remember I met up with this guy at Starbucks because I used to live in LA and in LA the kind of unspoken rule is because a lot of people out there don't have money so the unspoken rule is your first date is always somewhere like a coffee shop, ice cream, something that's just going to be like a few bucks. And then if you like the person, then, you know, you could proceed forward to a restaurant or something. So we meet at Starbucks and we're standing in the line and he's looking me up and down. And it's someone I met on Tinder and he was a celebrity stylist and he's looking me up and down. And I was like, are you styling me right now? And he was just like, Yes, like you know, and it was just so hilarious to me because it was like I could feel it. I can feel him analyzing. My friends always make fun of me and say I dress like a teacher everywhere I go. you know, so I could just feel him analyzing up and down like she would have fixed these shoes and put on this, you know, and that was that was really weird because I had never like gone on a date with someone that was like into you know aesthetics in that way. And truly, not because he was a stylist, but because of everything else about his personality, I truly think it was a gay man and I don't know why he went on a date with a woman, you know? Oh. So that was, a, that's mm. another thing too, that we have to deal with, you know, men who We're are actually positive going ooh. on dates with women.
3: Yeah.
0: I want to, I want to chime in if I can. See, Dr. said, Ooh, she started moving in us. Sh- okay. Go ahead, Dr. Chris. this
3: <laughs> no, this is hilarious you ready to go. Stuff. So two points. One, um, I went on a date with a kidney liver transplant surgeon. And he just kept rubbing my back and he's like, You got such great muscle tone, you got such great muscle tone. And my girlfriend was like, Don't bring him to your house because he's gonna harvest your organs. You gonna find yourself.
0: <laughs> <own body." laughs> it's
3: like I'm, t- I'm, I'm texting my girlfriend, like, what is going on right now? I was like, You're gonna find wake up in a bathtub on ice. I was like, Yeah, no. to the point about like um, dating, I do think it really is important for us to broaden our parameters of what dating is. I and I think coffee shops and and going to get tea is a really great way. It's it's non-confrontational. Dinner, you got to go through. If you drink, you got to have drinks. You got to have appetizers. You got to have entrees. You got to have dessert, and that's a lot of your time. If you don't want to cast your pearl amongst slime, it's like let's do coffee. After about fifteen minutes, thank you for the coffee. No harm, no foul. So I do think like we need to broaden our idea, like dating. I think coffee is a really great way to say, yeah, I'm never going to do this again. Or I really like to do this again, because what it forces you to do is to have conversation. You can have some real good food and kind of or a real great ambiance and lose lose, lose focus of the fact like I don't like talking to this person. But the coffee,
2: I think, is a really benign way to get to know somebody. And it's non-confrontational for both parties. Mm. and I would say don't go hiking because I went on a first day hiking and that is the worst because if you don't like that person you stuck with them for like two hours so oh, it's like we got yeah, like halfway yeah. up that little hill and I was like dang I still got to go and then you know every time you hike you get lost trying to come back out and that and was and definitely don't go golfing because you go try to hit all your
3: balls in the water because you don't want to play with them anymore like oh, Lord, I don't know I threw all my balls in the water so I can go home <laughs>
0: Oh, wow. Anything you want to add to that, Misha? Um, Some don't do's on first dates. Uh, So no hiking, uh, no golfing. Anything else, Misha?
1: I think that that's the great advice is to not take too much time. Um, You know, when you're when you're on a date and you're at dinner and you have to wait for your food, you got to. That's a lot of time. And if you don't feel the energy, because I think that one of the things we do a lot is just ignore our intuition. Hmm. You know when you meet somebody. I know for me, I went out on a date one time with a, a gentleman that I met on Tinder, and I actually ended up dating him against my own intuition. And when right. I was walking up to him at the date, I literally heard a voice in my head that said, he's a liar and he's broke. And I was like, no, that's mean. You're being judgmental. I was like, don't. That's ridiculous.
0: The Lord spoke to you and just so, told hey, you liar.
1: So on his file, he said he was 5'8". And the next message that came to me is if he lied about his height, because he was probably, I'm 5'3", and he was probably about 5'5", what else is he, what else will not he lie about? And I think that when you, you know, when you're walking into a coffee date, if somebody is 5'5", or 5'10", and you can spend 30 minutes having coffee and go on about your business. But if you're at a movie or you're on a long date, you're at the dinner, you're hiking in the woods for hours. You don't have that opportunity. So I just think it makes sense to keep it short, keep it simple. And if you feel that connection, if you feel that energy, then you move forward. If not, then don't. And I also believe in a starting lineup and a bench. So you oh. have people to rotate out. We can talk about that later.
0: Ooh, ooh, I hadn't heard this one before. Wait a minute. I was not prepared. So remind me to come back to that one. I definitely want to. So we talked about the problem, right? You know, And here at Southern Soul, we cover all kinds of topics, right? Tonight is one of our fun topics. Right. Next week, we're going to have a serious topic. It's called black boys in white spaces. Right. We're bringing in a brother that understands when we put our children in certain spaces where they are the only one. They are having all kinds of experiences, but that's one of our serious topics. We're having fun tonight. So if you got an email tonight, make sure you check it. Come back and chat with us next week. But, you know, Amisha, you actually gave us a good segue, a good transition, because I want to talk about expectations, right? At the end of the day, I was reading somewhere, when it comes to any relationships, the, 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 the rub of where things break is expectations. The man has an expectation. A woman has an expectation. I have a personal theory. My theory is, Men and women in our community are dating in two different eras The brothers are somewhere around 1950s You know, they want a woman to do this and do this and do this and sisters are somewhere around. I don't know 2050 But my belief is it's not right or wrong. It's just if you in two different eras, you may have two different set of expectations So let's talk about the traditional and contemporary roles, right? So let's go with LaToya first. LaToya, do you have, you know, coming from where you came, based on everything you experienced, what's your expectation of a guy, of a brother? Is he more traditional? Is he more contemporary? What's your expectation of a guy?
2: You know, I grew up with a single mom who owned a salon. So I was exposed to hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of women a week. Um, did not, you know, grow up with my father, did not have a relationship with my father. So I I feel like I don't have the privilege that a lot of women who did grow up with a father had to even be able to say like, well, my dad was like this. I like that. I liked how we interacted. I want a man like this. Or my dad was like this. I did not like that. And so therefore I know that's what I don't want. So, you know, I think it took me a really long time to actually navigate my relationship with men. Um, cause women easy, like I could, you know, my friendships come like that there, my expectations are really clear just because I, I grew up with hundreds of women, but I feel like with men it's just, it was always, you know, a bit of a struggle. So my, my previous relationship, we had a lot of challenges because he was extremely chivalrous, extremely. And I just, you know, I'm from New York we we'll to do all of that. So he would be holding doors, holding car doors, and all this kind of stuff. And it was kind of annoying to me, especially him holding the door for other people. Because oh, my man. thing is like you can hold the door for me, that's fine. And maybe the person right after. But why are you holding the door for seven people? I don't understand. You know, so it was just he was very, very chivalrous. But we were together for like four years and I kind of got right, doorman. Somebody put in there, doorman. Like seriously. Oh, so, you know, but I kind of got used to shivery. But so, but my boyfriend now, not chivalrous at all. Like I, I have to like push him to the outside of the street, you know, where he belongs, like that kind of stuff. And we got into it at the beginning of our relationship because I was like, where's your chivalry? You're not holding my door. You're not opening the car. He was like, why would I come pick you up, get outside, go around to open the door, to come back. He was like, that don't make no sense. Like, well, so, you know, just, trying to figure out, like, because I'm dating two different types of people, like, well, what is it that I really want and expect? Because, yeah, I I actually don't want, don't need you to, put me into the car like I'm a baby in a bassinet. Like, it's okay. Like, I can't open my door. You can go around. And in Atlanta, quite frankly, it's true. It's not safe because if you open my door, you put me in the car, somebody going to shake you before you even get to the driver's side. So it might be best that we both just, we on Edgewood right now. Maybe we both just get in the car immediately, you know? So I don't know. Yeah, I, I think I'm still trying to define, you know, my expectations. But I think ultimately it's just about, I think being more gracious to myself and just kind of more gracious to my partner, you know, and not being like, well, because you a man, you are supposed to do this, you know, and I'm a woman. And so this is how it's supposed to be because, you know, you kind of mentioned women are in 2050, men are men are 1950, but I I don't think that's true. I think it's maybe the other way around. I think we're still looking for These like someone to take care of us, even though majority of black women make more money than black men, you know, but we Mm -hmm. still want him to like pay all the bills and we keep all our money, you know, it's weird. Like we, you know, we still have these kind of old school philosophies, even though we're modern women and men, they want, I think a lot of them want to be in the 2050 and they don't want to take care of women in Uh that way. So at some I, point, I hope we align, but I don't know.
0: I love it. I love it. I love it. Depending on where we are, eras, we definitely ain't in the same place. Thank you for sharing your story, Latoya, and I love it because, you know, I always tell people you don't get to choose, right, how you show up on this earth. It's what you do when you, what, what you got, right? It's like a hand of spades, right? And I love your story because you said, you know, I'm just going to go out there and figure out this thing. Right. You had the guy who, as Ren would call him, the doorman. Then you got the guy who's, I don't know, (laughs) Wu-Tain. I don't know. But, you know, I seem like you're figuring it out. I like the journey. But OMG, Amisha, I see you right there. You moved in your chair a little bit. And then coming up next, Dr. Chris. I'm just curious, y'all, because I want to we got on tonight some beautiful ladies intentionally. Right. I went out and said, I'm going to find the most beautiful women, you know. Right. And they got to have personality. They got to be humble. Y'all got to understand it was hard. I searched the whole planet. And I got these ladies tonight, so I got questions. I'm curious. Amisha, what's your expectation of the brothers out there? Traditional, old school, same era, different era? What's your expectations and thoughts?
1: I mean, I definitely want somebody who's who's thoughtful. I'm a very thoughtful person. I'm a very kind person. Um, so I don't want to be roughed up. <laughs> you know, like some, some people are like, I'm not doing this and I'm not doing that um but i think it's important that you know you know with your partner or somebody that you're dating what they enjoy what they like and and it goes both ways um and that's the thing i think that sometimes is lacking it's like women as women we're taught to be like princesses like we're taught that we are to be cared for we are to be treated like princesses but what are what are we doing in exchange like for men how are we making them feel valued in a relationship Um, and, and we're still figuring that out. Like for me, I've had men tell me that I make them feel not needed. And then I would always counter with, well, do you want to be needed or do you want to be wanted? Like, I don't need you to pay my bills. I don't need you to come in and save me. Um, but I do want partnership. I want relationship. I want companionship. I want love. Um, and sometimes, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting to hear that men want to be needed but what does that mean? And then when you're too needy, then that becomes an issue. So it's like, where's the line? And I guess maybe it's just finding the person that you're compatible with. Um, but to me, I'd rather be wanted than needed. Like I want somebody who wants me in their life, not that I have to be there to complete them.
0: Awesome. Thank you for sharing that. You know, it reminds me of you know, a personal thing. I didn't know. I decided to go to school and become an engineer, but I never knew I had a love of people, you know, and they say there's a a study for that anthropology, right? That I have a passion for people and cultures and why we do what we do. And it kind of, how I ended up here, but I love what you're saying is that you're kind of describing, Hey, this is kind of at the core what I'm doing. And then I see brothers. I've heard this many times. I remember I connected a brother many years ago with my neighbor, and he called me. He literally called me. He's like, man, we're going to break up. I'm like, oh, why are y'all breaking up? You know, She's a nice guy. He's a nice girl, whatever. And they, they were compatible. And he's like, she don't need me. I'm like, what do you mean she don't need you? Well, you know, she got her own career. She got her own money. She's a pharmacist. She's doing this. And it hit me that this brother was coming from a certain place of what it meant to be needed. In my observation, he was quite a traditionalist. Hey, what it meant to be needed is I do this and I do this and I do this. But essentially, like you said, this lady I introduced him to, she had her own money, her own career, her own thing. But she needed something different from him. Something that he didn't know how to give or how to communicate, how to articulate. He was more accustomed to, like, can I change your tire? And she's like, well, I got, you know, insurance. They changed my tire for me. But I love that concept because it begins to show how two people can be in the same place but into two different areas. But that's just my observation. Dr. Chris, share with us. You've heard a lot, and you are such a good listener tonight. I appreciate it. What's your observation of what you heard about expectation of men? You know I want to hear your thoughts, too, because I want to be all in the Kool-Aid and spill the tea. Tell us your business, girl.
3: Well, so I I appreciate the conversation. I absolutely do. And I'm so with you on that. I want to be wanted. I don't want to be needed. When we think about expectations, the way I think about expectations, that expectations have to be kind of fluid. And what I mean by that is that when you're in a relationship, I think that they, they vary from relationship to relationship. You want to draw out everybody's strengths when you're in a relationship you want to draw out the strength of the other person so in some cases i may not have to be the cook because you're a better cook than me you have your but in some cases i might be a better cook than you so i have to be the cook you have to find out where the strengths are so i think if we come into like we just have this blanket kind of set of expectations and say this is how it has to work we're really not individualizing the people that we're interacting with and that can be a real downside i do not like paying bills I make my own money, I pay my own bills, but I hate it. Anybody that I'm in a relationship with, I'm like, pay the bills, give me an allowance every month. I'm cool with that. And one of my girlfriends is like, oh, ain't no way, never, ever going to happen. I ain't paying bills. I don't want to pay bills. So hopefully somebody I get with, or if I decide to date somebody, that'll be their strength. And we can just figure out how it works. But you got to believe, you got to be fluid. You got to draw on the strengths. And every person is going to bring out different strengths and weaknesses about you. The other thing, one expectation that is kind of consistent with All of my relationships, whether they're romantic or non-romantic, I'm not trying to be responsible for anybody else's emotions. Go see yourself a therapist or something. It is not my space. It is not my responsibility to be responsible for your emotions in a way that a therapist absolutely could. And I think a lot of times what happens is that people aren't happy or they're not in a space where they're they're content with themselves. So they get into a relationship. That's the worst time for you to get into a relationship. You need to do some self-care. If you're not willing to do the emotional work, I definitely wanna be in the relationship with you and I'm not doing your emotional work. It's called self-esteem for a reason. And so that's one expectation that across the board, friends, foes, anybody, I'm like, I'm not responsible for your emotional well being. I have a question
1: for you, Dr. Chris, but what's Uh the difference between being responsible for and accountable to? Uh Because I think that so often we say we're not responsible for somebody else's emotions, but when you're in intimate relationship with somebody, you're accountable to each other's, for each other's emotions and how you treat each other. So I think that there's a,
3: a difference. And I think people get them conflated often. Absolutely. So I think if you are in a relationship, you got to make some modifications and you have to be considerate of the other person. But I think before you even get into that relationship, you have to be happy, healthy, and whole. Do not think that the relationship is going to make you that. That's got to, you got to come to the table with that. I'm going to be considerate of your feelings and your emotions, but that's not, that's, you should do all that work before you even get here. That would be
0: my I, argument. I love it. I love it. I love it. And You know what they call it? I heard it before. They said, you got to come whole to a relationship. Whole. And I love it because it's like, how many people think they're going to go and get into a relationship and that other person is going to make them whole? That other person is going to be their therapist. That other person is going to help them deal with their mama, daddy issues, Right. Mm-hmm. You know, I was doing a conversation of it many years ago and it was a, a young lady and she said this question. I love it. She says, OK, I got a question because this is a good panel, guys, and I don't have a bunch of guy friends. I'm curious about this question. And everybody's quiet. And they want to know the answer the question. She says, how do you know? If you have daddy issues and this one brother, he had no pause. He said, if you ask that question, yeah. <laughs> now you know, so I say this to say not right or wrong, right? But those are questions that we have before we get into a relationship. You know, um, I got a few more questions. I'm going to move forward and we're going to transition. We got Daryl J here and my brother tonight is listening. I'm going to spotlight him, you know, and Daryl J, you, you've been listening. Uh, let me know. You want to test your microphone while I get Yeah, be great. Questions? How do I sound? You sound good, man. You sound good, man. Thank you for dropping in. And what do you think about all of this conversation, this beautiful conversation tonight? What do you think, Daryl? I know you've been 20, what, 30 years, Daryl J. But hey, first congratulations. The audience is major tonight. You're at 140 plus. Hey, man. I, I, Here at Southern so we got to give the people what they want, right? Yeah. And, and we do the serious topics, but every now and then we got to have some fun. You know what I mean? But I'm looking forward to going on the road, Daryl J, because I'm thinking, you know, the audience has already told me. They want us to go on the road. We got some spots. Nashville, Atlanta, uh, uh, Greensboro. We stopping in Greensboro because that's your hometown, right? So, and I'm actually we're gonna do Southern Soul at one of your events, probably at Carol Ann somewhere. So I already know Daryl <laughs> J. I'm just claiming it, right? Absolutely. Awesome. So, ladies, okay, question for you. You know, um, we got a full agenda tonight, so just hang loose. Um, Daryl J. got a freestyle mix for us, but ladies, you know, this I'm gonna combine two questions, but this is the fun part, right? What's most important, right? Height, education, ethnicity, age, personality, kinkiness, or something else? oh
2: kinkiness Definitely not kinky huh? Don't be kinky. you know. <laughs> don't
0: be kinky. Latoya says she don't like all that kinky stuff. Is that what <laughs> I hear, Latoya?
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Oh. Oh, Chris grabbed the pearls, y'all. <laughs> but I'm like, wait a minute. But I, I mean kinky. that, that so,
2: so, is that the list? Is that the exhaust? Wait, but, yeah, can you can you run through that again? What is it?
0: Well, I ended Kink? with something else. And back age, to kinkiness personality, age, ethnicity, education, and height.
2: I would definitely say personality for me because I feel like I'm gonna I'm a change the word personality to character. Cause I feel like a person's character, you're gonna go through so many seasons with a person and you need to, they need to have like a consistent character. There's certain, you know, this a, a lot of times you see a per, when, when a guy has money, he seems great. Like, but that's a totally different man when he's unemployed. You know, if his character is a tie to his finances, right? So it's like, that's really important to me. Like, who are you in your up season, your down season? More importantly, who are you in my up season and my down season? Because some men are great when you are vulnerable and you are down and they are they can be there for you. But then when you out here rising like a store, they have a problem being the Jay-Z to your Beyonce. You know, so it's just kind of like, I, my main thing is like, what is your character? Cause that other stuff is like, who cares? Like your age, that doesn't matter. You know, like even your, your money, like money, money is a changing thing as well, you know, but it's like, what is your character when someone in your family, someone close to you dies? Like, do you, who are you then? You know, like when, like, I don't know, just all kinds of random things, right? Like when we have to relocate, Right. Or opportunity comes for me to relocate. That's how my last relationship ended. You know, relocate. Who are you then? So character by far.
0: Hey, Amisha up next, Dr. Chris. Amisha, what are your thoughts? What are your most important? I mean, deal breaks. Come on. We got to be real. Right. I like Latoya. Right. She she in for the long game. She like we're going to have some ups and downs. Amisha, come on. He got to be how how tall. You know, I heard you. be like your man at least six two to six three. I, mean, I didn't right
1: say there. all that. I, said, I know all your I dated business. Just you Keep going. Who said he was five eight, but he was really about my height. I'm five three. He's probably about uh, five five. Uh, uh, um, I, I, I'm gonna have to, you know, echo what Latoya said. Um, it's that character. Like I remember, I met a guy a couple years ago, and we went on some dates. We were dating for a couple weeks. Got along beautifully. Had a lot of fun. Went on several dates. And in week two, I think he got laid off from his job completely unexpectedly. And he had a really great job that he loved. And he, it was like Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. Like there was nothing I could do to cheer him up. He became very bitter and angry toward everyone, including me for no reason. And it was like, you don't really know who people are until I, I have a few theories on this until one, you start telling them no. Because when you first meet and you're getting together and you're hanging out and everything is, yes, baby, yes, I want to go here. Yes, come over. Yes, let's do this. But when you start saying no, you start to see someone's true colors. And then when they go through real things in life, you really start to see people's true colors, whether it's a layoff or a job loss or somebody losing a close relationship or friendship, you have to see how people are when they're down. Um, and, and that's that's I won't say that's who you really are, but that's a part of who you really are. Um, when you're down and when you're going through things. So that that character and just honesty is important. I've met a lot of guys who, you know, I've realized the first three to six months, oftentimes you're dating their representative, but people are just not honest in the beginning because they're trying to woo you and trying to get you. And you realize that they have just not been honest with you about their situation, about who they are. Um, So that character and honesty are everything to me, but I don't want somebody who's five foot three either. (laughs)
0: I hey. <laughs> You heard it here first, Dr. Chris. So, you uh,
3: is this an adult? Is this an adult line that we all right now before I start
0: yes, talking? This is grown okay. folks. This has some uh, okay,
3: so this grown folks. So right. So I think you know, kind of hit, uh, subtleties in the statement is like whether or not they got a big dick, little dick, no dick, none of that stuff. At the end of the day, matters. It really does not. We could talk. We could say it does, but it really doesn't matter. I have to dovetail with what the other women are already saying. It really is about your moral compass. I don't care if you're five five. I don't care if you're six five. OK, I probably do. But OK, for, for argument's sake, I don't care if you're five, five or you're six, 5 I'm only five feet tall. But the moral compass really does matter. And I think what's really important, it's like how you take care of yourself and how you take care of other people. I have a friend, also known as my sister, treats her men like they are kings and terrorizes everybody in our family. Mm. I was like, if anybody would just, if any of her dudes look at the way she treats other people and how she treats herself, there's no way they would be in a relationship with her. So it's really important how you treat other people. And it ain't about how you treat me, because you can treat me like a queen, put me on a pedestal, all that nonsense that I don't necessarily need. But you talking to your mama like she like she got a tail. I'm, I'm cool with you. You ain't talked to your kids in six years. Wow. Or you don't acknowledge that you have kids. Wow. Missed me on that entire conversation. So you have to watch how they treat themselves. Do they, do they, do they develop boundaries? Are they going to respect your boundaries and how do they treat other people? So I'm just adding to
2: what the, what was already been said.
0: I love it. I love it. I love it. One I want last...
2: to, I want to, I want to add though, Absolutely. too, like, and how they talk about their baby mama. Cause my thing is like, do, that is still the mother of your children. Right. And I think women, we have to be better about checking men who like bash the mother of their children to us, like, don't allow that to happen. Like, shut that down. Like, no. Like, because obviously she ain't that crazy. Like, you're leaving the kids with her full time. You know what I mean? So right. if she was that crazy, you would have custody, right? So it's just like, I don't know, just, I I think the way you talk about the mother of your children says a lot about how you would talk about me if our relationship doesn't work out. So I, once again, going back to your character, you know, to me, that's a, a, a character thing. Right.
3: And yeah. if you have a solid moral compass, you're just not going to talk her, talk about her any kind of way and call her out her name. You're just not. Yeah,
0: you know, I love what I'm hearing because, you know, a, a wise man once told me it's about the ABCs. Y'all know what the ABCs are? The attitude, the behavior and the character. It's something about those ABCs. You know, when you watch people closely, I, I like what Latoya said. Denzel had a quote. She says, make sure the woman next to you. Is the same woman that's next to you at success that's going to be next to you at the bus stop? You see, that attitude, behavior, and character, the ABCs, and all of the ladies said that character, that personality is very important. So, we got a few things tonight. We got a full show, and I won't let you guys know what to expect. You know, we got uh, um, one last question. I'm going to kind of combine the two for the ladies. And then we're going to transition. Um, Katie, uh, if you um, flick your camera, you let me know that we're ready for a second trivia because I want to get another winner. And then we got a freestyle mix from Daryl J., Dr. Daryl J., the brother who's just doing his thing. Y'all, it is celebrities in the house, man. I remember I interviewed Daryl J. last year, and it was so awesome because he essentially invented... I'm calling him. He invented the quiet storm. He invented the nine at nine, whatever. And I remember being in college, and I was like, man, I'm listening to the radio and I'm loving it, but I didn't know that that was Daryl J. these whole years, but networking, I'm a master networker, I connect with this brother, man, and he is a brother that believes in supporting people, community, so we're going to share information tonight, we're going to make sure that all of the people here that you guys want to connect with, you can connect with, but definitely connect with Daryl J. because this brother is a producer extraordinaire, and he's between Nashville and Atlanta, but ladies, um, for the question tonight, and Katie, let me know if you're ready for your trivia, is I'm going to combine these questions, and then we're going to transition to Dr. Chris. Think about this. What is the most kind, heartwarming things that a guy has said or done while you were dating, even if the guy wasn't your type, right? But you just kind of felt like, you know what, that was nice. You know, the brother's 5'1", but you know, he's nice, you know what I mean? And lastly, in conclusion, sharing your last words with the audience, What are some things that you want the men out there to know? Meaning, how should we as men truly appreciate women like you? Because if the guys watch, if the audience watch, we got a certain caliber of women here tonight. And they have expectations that we don't just be operating within the law of averages and just throwing stuff on the wall, seeing what sticks. You know, we got to work this thing out. But doctor, no, actually, Amisha, let's go Amisha first. Amisha, what are some things I would love if you got some heartwarming things that a guy has said to you, even if he wasn't your type and some thoughts, some, some parting remarks on the things you really want guys out there? Because, you know, it's complicated in these streets, but you want to share something with the guys out there on how to simplify what's going on.
1: Um, I think that one of the things that really struck me about a guy that I was dating once was that he. Totally just allowed me to be myself. Um, I can be a lot. (laughs) I have a lot of personality. And I remember one day um, he stopped by my house and I was blasting music. Like when I say blast music, like my walls are shaking and I'm dancing around the house. And I remember catching him looking at me and the way he was looking at me just let me know that he fully accepted who I was. It wasn't like, oh my God, she's too much. What is she doing? And I remember just the way he looked at me, let me know that he fully accepted me in all of my loudness and all of my soca music blasting, right. all my wine and dung to place in my kitchen. Like he was there for it. Um, and that to me resonated with me, you know, really strongly because I, I just want to be able to be myself wherever I am. Um, and in terms of like what I want men to know is that, I just feel like we have to get away from this, his, hers, men versus women. I think that there's so much beauty that comes through love, through relationships. A a study came out recently that I saw shared everywhere in like Psychology Today or something about how men who are in committed relationships and marriages, they're more successful, they're healthier. Um, it benefits both of us, all of us, if we come together and if we truly are vulnerable and express love and support each other, I don't think it's a us versus them, or you better do this or else we've got to figure this out. You know, we've got to figure this out because it's better for us to be together and to have love in our lives and to have hope for love than it is for us to not. And I think that is, it doesn't matter how successful I am. It doesn't matter how much money I make. I'm still going to be Amisha. I'm still going to want love in my life. And I'm still going to be open to love. And I think that a lot of men think that, you know, a lot of women aren't, especially a lot of black women who are successful are not open. And that's not the truth. You know, that's not the truth at all. Um, And I think we have to stop playing into these narratives.
0: I love it. I love it. Dr. Chris uh, Latoya up next. Who want to go next?
3: I can go. Uh, I, I I agree with everything has already been said. I would just add a little bit to it. I, it really is great to be seen. Um, I'm not really a big person for words. Words of affirmation isn't my love language. So I'm not, I'm not so sold on what you say. I really am sold on what you do. You don't have to take me to the south of France. You don't have to buy me the latest Rolex. You ain't got to buy me a pair of red bottoms. I was like, but if you know I like some popcorn, go on Amazon and send me a $5 bag of popcorn. Because what that tells me is that you've heard me and you've listened to me. And you're like, Chris is going to be moved by the south of France. She can take herself, but she really is going to be moved by this popcorn. I'm like, and only one person has sent me a whole box of popcorn. I'm still chewing on that popcorn. So it really is the sm- Small things. That tells me you really are thoughtful and you listen and you hear. And to the point about like, what do we want to say to men? Yeah, I think a lot of times what happens when you're a successful black woman over the age of 40, they think that we're not open. They think that we're ball busters. They think that we don't like men, all these kind of like negative uh, stereotypes about us. But the re- the reality is, I want to push back a little bit on black men. And just the other day, I went out to dinner with this guy, and so he was saying, "I was like, I'm, you know, I'm, we've been trying to get out to dinner, we haven't had a chance to go out to dinner. What's the problem?" He's like, "You know, you like a, you're like top notch. You're like VSOP, and I don't want to put that much work in, so I'm just gonna hang out with these with these chicks from um to McDonald's versus Ruth Chris." And I was like. Damn. Step your game all the way up because I ain't going to decrease none of my shine. Step your game up and don't put it on us and say, we're the ones that are bitter. We're the ones that not aren't open. You don't want to open yourself up and step the game up because it's so much easier to deal with an average chick than a Ruth Chris chick. Don't put that on us. Own it
2: and step okay. up.
0: Ooh, Latoya, anything you want to say? She said an average chick versus a Ruth Chris.
2: Well, <laughs> oh, I like that. I do love someone, Chris.
3: And I was, and I was, and you know what? When I was at dinner. I was like, now I'm stuck at dinner with you. I should have done my coffee and been out the door. <laughs>
2: <laughs> um, for me, like it is something kind of recent. You know, I've, I've I've been having a lot of really awesome things going on um in my life lately. Glory to God for all of it. And um something my boyfriend says that it really like it's something I never heard from anybody I dated is, I'm so proud of you. Like, he'll, like, put his hand on my shoulder and look me in the eye and be like, I'm so proud of you. And, you know, daddy issues. I didn't hear that as a kid from my dad, right, growing up. So something about the way he says it, it it just feels so special and paternal. But also, like, I've only ever dated extremely ambitious men, including him. Everyone I've dated has been very, very ambitious. But they've been competitive. He's the only person that I've dated that I felt like is actually my cheerleader, you know, and actually feels like there's room for me to be great and him to be great. And I don't feel like I had that in, in other relationships. They felt like they was Beyonce. And it's like, no, 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 I am Beyonce. But you can be Jay-Z, you can make more and you can have more going on. But just understand, when well, we in a room, I am Beyonce, you know? So I'm just very grateful to like have someone that I feel like, you know, kind of like Amisha was saying, like, we're... And Chris was saying, Dr. Chris was saying where you feel seen, you know, and they they understand who you are. So I would say definitely that. And I guess the advice that I would have is, you know, I really don't think men should date broke. Like if you are broke, just don't date. It's okay. Like just forget it. Like just don't even do it. And I think it's mainly because I have never met a broke man who was happy. Just never like they are just unhappy. They're not they're not what they want to be in their career. They're not what they want to be in their life. They don't live where they want to live. And then they just bring all their unhappiness to you and then make you feel guilty for your life. And if you're the type of woman who's worked hard and you're making money and you want to go to the south of France, you know, you shouldn't have to feel guilty about that. I have a lot of friends who are taking a lot of girls trips because the men they're with can't afford you know, the, the, the trip. And he either got too much pride, you know, to, to let her pay or she don't want to pay. And I agree, you know, where it's like, I worked hard. I shouldn't have to now pay for you to have the lifestyle that you didn't actually work for. So I get that too. So I just feel like, you know, if you are broke and you're going to date, maybe just date on your level, like date the, if you're the McDonald's guy, right? Like date the McDonald's girl. Like, don't try to date the Ruth Chris girl and force her to go to McDonald's, you know? Mm-hmm. So that, that that I just feel like people need to date on their level. And if you know you're not happy, you're not in a good place financially, mentally, spiritually, career-wise, whatever, just work on yourself before you bring other people into your mess.
0: Ooh, Boy, I felt that one right there. As a brother, I felt that one. Hey, do not be trying to... Act like you, Ruth Chris, when you McDonald's. Latoya said it. I mean, I'm a guy. I didn't like what I heard, but I'm saying the truth is the truth. And I appreciate you for sharing it. You know, next up, we want to let you guys know the flow. You know, I I like feedback, but what people don't tell you about feedback is you got to be prepared, right? You got to get your mind ready. You be like, hey, don't be in your feelings. Don't be in your feelings. I must understand. I was in my feelings tonight, and they weren't even talking to me. What do you think about the ladies tonight, Dr. Chris?
3: Uh, wait, why were you in your feelings? I
0: don't know, because I'm a man. You know, I think the world revolves around me. I'm the sun energy, whatever the you know energy folks call it. I'm just accustomed to people doing what I say do. And these ladies tonight, they be like, hey, we doing our thing and whatever. But I mean, it ain't nothing about me. It ain't got nothing to do with me. But that's, I don't know that's how we made. But I just think I appreciate that the ladies kept it real tonight.
3: You know what's really interesting. Um, again, I think for me, it's like we really have to look at the uniqueness of the people that we're dating, and we can't come with these presupposed kind of expectations or ideas. I mean, you have some standards, right? But you need to be a little fluid because I appreciate with the with the uh, I forgot who said it, but they said something like, "Um, I love it when my man says that i'm that he's proud of me."
0: Mm, and, yeah, that's
3: Latoya. Ooh. Okay, Latoya said it. Okay, yeah. so Doctor Latoya, we go call you by Doctor tonight. So mm-hmm. I appreciate when Doctor Latoya said that because um I'm the total opposite. If someone says that they're proud of me, I consider it kind of condescending in some ways, and so I never ever tell my my students that I'm proud of them. Because when I do, I often feel like that's like on a hierarchy. It's like, I'm a professor looking down at my students. Parents usually tell their children that they're proud of them. So I very rarely will tell somebody that I'm proud of them. And when someone tells me that they're proud of me, it kind of rubs me the wrong way. But I always tell people that I'm inspired by them because you can get inspiration from a three-year-old to a 103 year old and everything in between. But if some dude was dating Latoya and then he starts dating me, he's like, baby, I'm proud of you, baby, I'm proud of you. I'm like, ah, yeah, so that's not going to work. Because so, so when something works for one person, it doesn't necessarily work for the next person. So you can't come with these cookie cutter ideas and think that they're going to work on every person. You have to turn, take the time to learn The person, listen to the person, and you'll realize that proud of me is something that just doesn't work for me. But I so appreciate the fact that she said that because I am real stickler. I'm real stickler about saying proud of me. And it just shows the nuances and how one person can like something, the next person just absolutely doesn't.
0: I love it. I love it. I love it. You know, growing up in Texas, you know, I was raised by these traditional women. And, you know, I was the oldest grandson, and my grandfather blessed me, right? He says, This is my oldest grandson. And I didn't know what it meant when I was younger, but what it meant was, Y'all take care of my oldest grandson. He will continue my bloodline. I didn't know. But these uncles, these aunts, they just adored me, especially the aunts. As young as I can remember, these women would say, what do you want to eat for dinner? And I'm like, I'm only five, six, seven, ten, 10, right? But it really helped me understand, right, my uniqueness, my love language, as they say. Mm-hmm. But I love what you're saying because when some of these aunts come to me, they're like, Calvin, you know, I'm dating this guy and what should I do? And I tell them, well, you got to date the guy that's in front of you. They're like, well, no, no, you understand. I need a trick. I need a shortcut. I need, you know, some magic. And I said, well, I think you need to date the guy that's in front of you. Well, he invited me to the family reunion. It means this. It means this. What does it mean? I said, well, you need to date the guy that's in front of you. And what I love what you're saying, Dr. Chris, is you like what works for you It don't work for everybody. Right. I got a few homeboys that think they every man's woman. But what works for Latoya don't work for Dr. Chris. And I love that because it is so, so true. Tell and me, nor should it, right? Go ahead, I'm sorry.
3: And nor should it.
0: It shouldn't because, you know, I remember in the 90s when we were talking about objectifying females, whatever. But when we start objectifying each other, we start thinking all men are the same.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: All women are the same. And I think we kind of have to spend some quality time to get to know them. But I don't want to philosophize because, you know, we didn't talk all night long. Let's talk about you, Dr. Chris. You have this research in this book that follows the theme for tonight entitled The Emerging Black Middle Class. Yes. Single and living alone. Sala, what in the world is this, Dr. Chris? Break it down for us.
3: <laughs> so it's so funny because I'm on your, your dating show and I really appreciate being here. I have to do another show in a couple of weeks and they're all about... Black love and black marriage. And I am pro-Black love and pro-Black marriage, but I'm also a sociologist and a demographer. And one of the things we know is that Black people are not getting as married, get, are not getting married as much as they used to. There's a rise in singlehood for all racial and ethnic groups, but it's way more pronounced for Black America. And I think to have a successful marriage and to have successful Black love, we need to spend some time in our singleness and working on ourselves before we get into relationships. And that part of the conversation is neglected, overlooked, and doesn't get as much attention as it should. And I'm hoping the book will bring way more visibility to the fact that we have to embrace our singleness um, before we get into a relationship. And that's what the book really does try to do. And I also try to take the stigma out of singlehood in the book. And one of the things I'm hoping the book will do is that People are less just as likely to ask somebody, why are you single, as to ask somebody, why are you married? Because if we take the stigma out of singlehood, I think it could prevent a lot of people from being in toxic relationships just for the sake of being in a relationship. I'd much rather be single and living alone as opposed to being married and alone. And we just don't spend enough time um, giving credit to singleness. That's what the book really tries to do.
0: Well, you know, thank you for sharing that because, you know, I, I'm, I'm really excited about the, the fact that you wrote this book, right? Because it's things that we're seeing every day. Right. But who has taken time to slow down, to study the numbers, the statistics, and really begin to document this thing? Because right. at first I was like, okay, this is cool. This is whatever. We all know it to be true. But you've actually coined a phrase and you call it the Love Jones cohort, I do. And, 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 and you talk about, you know, what's really happening in society and why is this important? Tell us why is this so significant? Because I know this steps into the research methods and stuff, you know, but why is this so important, right? That we not shame single people, that we begin to understand this trend of single and living alone versus, hey, why are you not married yet? Why are you not married yet? Why is all of this important?
3: Well, so it's important for multiple reasons. I think the three main reasons why it's really important is that there's an emergence of singlehood across all racial and ethnic groups. But first of all, Black folks been doing this for a real long time and white, uh, singleness is having a really white gaze right now. And I was like, oh no, I'm getting ready to call that all the way out. You done took rock and roll. You get ready to try to take singleness. I'm not getting ready to let you do that. Black women in particular have been doing this for quite some time. You're going to pay respect and homage to Black women for having done this for years and making it easier for you to navigate singleness and be very successfully single because Black women have been doing it. So give us credit, number one. Number two, to the point that I was just making, if we embrace our singleness, again, I'm all for Black love, it will pause before we end up in those relationships that we know are not good for us. But for the sake of being in a relationship, we're just going to be in a relationship. So the book is really trying to take the stigma out of um, singlehood so that we don't end up in those toxic relationships. I want to help people. I'm like, you can be in these wonderful single relationships. And then lastly, I really want to put more value on um, non-romantic relationships and friendships. You know, it's funny because we always have these kind of like dating, um, um uh, platforms, symposiums, panels, how to date, how to deal with your partner and so on and so forth. But I, I am not aware of a lot of panels that focus on how to be a friend, how to deal with your friend, how to do, how to, how to get through a divorce with a friend and black women really, they use friend, female, other female friends in very useful kind of ways. There's a lot of utility in black women and their friendships. Black men have a certain kind of relationship with their men, with their male friends. It's more for, um, it's more for experiences. I want to go play some basketball with somebody. I need somebody to help me move a, tr- move a a refrigerator or something like that. So I think it's important that men, black men know how to cultivate friendships with other black men and black women continue to cultivate our relationships with other women. So we just don't spend enough time in that part of the conversation. And I hope we can spend that much. We can spend more time there. I said two, three things, but I meant four. And then lastly, a lot of the work or a lot of the headlines, like why are black women getting married? I look at both men and women in the book, but A lot of conversation about why black women aren't getting married. And I'm pushing back against that because if we're not careful, that becomes like a deficit model. Like, okay, why don't you have this? And I'm like, wait a minute. These women are single. These men are single, but they are doing the doggone thing. So let's talk about what they are doing. Let's talk about how they're building wealth. Let's talk about how they're disseminating their wealth. Let's talk about how they're making decisions, where to buy houses, where to live. I want to extend the conversation as opposed to just saying, Why aren't you this? Why aren't you this? Because it comes from a very deficit kind of perspective.
0: I love it. And as Amisha would say, I don't know. Go ask your mama. Right. right? You know, you know, thank you, Dr. Chris, for doing this research, because I love research. I'm a data nerd, but I understand that you got to slow down long enough to understand what's going on. And what we all know is that the reason that people got married 50 years ago is not why people are getting married today. Right. You know, I recently did a segment, and your show is actually your first interview is going to publish tomorrow morning, but it talked about the concept of fifty years ago, nineteen fifties, when women women would get married for different reasons. They couldn't buy houses, right? They essentially had to get married, and it's almost like it was like, hey, let me get married because I want to have a family, a successful life, a house. Mm-hmm. But the good news is that those things have changed.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Would you like to share with us any thoughts or observations of how things have changed over the last 50, 60 years and why why people are getting married today or not the same reasons they were getting married 50 years ago?
3: So if we look at just like the literature on the black middle class, that's where most of my research kind of hinges on. Um, If you wanted to be middle class, you had to have two parents in the household working. Typically, if it's a heteronormative household, it's going to be a, a father and a mother or a husband and a wife. And that kind of catapulted you catapulted you into middle class status. But now you have so many people that are middle-class and live in very comfortable lives and are able to, because of this economic independence that Black women have in particular, they don't have to have a husband to be middle-class. They don't have to have a husband to buy homes. They can do it on their own. So since they're doing it on their own, it's like, I can do, it's kind of like, I could do bad by myself. I don't necessarily have to do bad with you. And I don't have to be with you just for the sake of being middle-class or have some status markers. I can have it without you. So it gives a little bit more freedom them, economic freedom in particular, allows them to make more different kind of choices on who they choose to marry and why they choose to marry.
0: Yeah. And, you know, I, I love that. And, you know, you know I, I just, I don't know. I love progress. I love to see the world becoming better. And I love, you know, as y'all know here at Southern South we love us some Black girl magic. We love natural hair. We love a few things, right? So I just okay. love seeing it because, you know, I just really feel in my heart of hearts that's how the good Lord wanted it to be, right? And we're getting close, right? We got some back steps, whatever, but we're getting close. But, you know, um, tell us about this, Dr. Chris. Uh, what are some of the stigmas that you see with, you know, um, single people and, you know, observations? You know, I call it shame, right, because I actually experienced a few of these shame things, you know, especially from my, 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 I can't even call his name right now, but you know, if you're not married by 19, but you know, I didn't realize that coming from where I came, there was so much shame associated with singleness, right? What are some of the things that you've seen? I don't know if you even know where it comes from, but share with us some of the things where people try to shame single people and that's just not appropriate.
3: Oh, absolutely. It's just not appropriate. And it happens. It happens quite often. And I and that's actually one of the questions that I asked my respondents in the book. Do you think that there's a certain level of stigma that comes with being older and single and a woman versus a man as single? And the responses were kind of mixed. But so to the point that was said earlier in the earlier segment of the show, um, What happens a lot of times is that when it's a man versus a woman, there's a different kind of like stigma, right? So for the man, it's like, oh, he's just a player. He's just a gigolo at some point who want to settle down, but now he's just playing the field or he's gay. For a woman, it's like, oh, she's a ball buster. She's selfish. She doesn't want to be involved with anybody. We're waiting for the other shoe to drop. Of course, she got to have some kind of like mental health issues of some sort, or she's not mentally stable of some sort. So there's a very, so. There's stigma on both sides, but it does really vary by gender. And as you age, that the, the stigma increases. It's like, oh, okay, well, yeah, you're just not going to get married. You are just a hassle. You're just a problem. And what they call you spinsters, the cat lady, all that kind of stuff really happens for women. For men, the aging part doesn't really hold as much for men as it does for women, though.
0: Yeah, yeah and, and that's true because, you know, I, I've seen, you know, it to be true right i got those homeboys and with those homeboys you know they just living their best life and they expect like i'm going to chill i'm going to marry somebody 20 years old or whatever and it's just it's like weird but i discovered it's not the the same the ultimate question
3: But wait, but here's, here's one thing I want to add a little context to that because I am a sociologist, right? So like structure kind of plays into the conversation. What's really unfortunate is that you stigmatize these women and some of these men and you stigmatize these older folks. But the reality is we have to look at the structural forces that are at play and how that factors into the dating market or the dating pool for black women in particular. So you putting all them structural forces on me and calling me an old old maid or calling me a spinster. But the reality is there aren't, I don't have, it's a numbers game. There aren't enough black men that have PhDs. If I wanted to marry somebody with a PhD and not because they aren't, they aren't trying, but there's structural courses that prevent them from doing that. But it's, you gonna put that all on me. It's really unfortunate. We make it an individual conversation and we leave out the whole structural part of it. And more often than not, they think it's always an individual conversation and the book kind of pushes back against that as well.
0: Well, you know, I love that because that was actually what I was thinking, right? The ultimate question is, are there any good black men out there? Right. In, 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 it's a hard question. North, hey, there's no good black man. There's no, you know, they're in jail, whatever. It's a complicated, it's a very complicated conversation. It's like peeling the onion, right? What's your thought on what's really going on with the numbers? Are there any good black men out there or what are yes, the numbers saying?
3: Absolutely. Like I said, I'm not going to bash black men. There are absolutely some great men out there. But if we look at it from a sheer numbers game if you want to marry somebody if a black woman wants to marry a black man of the same educational level we call it educational homogamy you want to marry a somebody that has a professional degree the numbers are just imbalanced there's more black women with professional degrees than there are black men so that has to be factored into the conversation but yeah there are a lot of there are a lot of good black men out there it's just surely a numbers game so there's somebody. It's like it's like what is that? Um, uh, what do you, what is that game when you walk around with chairs? Musical chairs. Oh, there ain't enough, yeah. there ain't
0: hot Hot potato musical chairs. Yeah, <laughs> right.
3: There are no chairs for everybody. Somebody gonna be left. Somebody gonna be left without a seat.
0: Wow, you know. Thanks for sharing that. You know, if I would love to kind of you know get, you know, I wish your book was you know when we first scheduled this you know we expected your book to be available now but I would love for you to share in the chat of how people can follow you so they'll know exactly when your book goes live. But lastly, I love this term that you coined, Sala, single and living alone women, right? Right. What are your thoughts? Do you have any, you know... um, recommendations, any thoughts, any suggestions for the people who are Sala, single and living alone, where to be men, where to be women, how they can find your book, how they can follow you, because I can only imagine you got more books in you because this thing ain't going away.
3: Right. So, so It's kind of funny. The way I kind of came up with Sala is that, um, like I said, singlehood has taken on a very white gaze and I'm pushing all the way back. I can put my my website up there at some point. Um, So I'm pushing back against that. So I was like, okay, in the book, I was like, I don't want to call black folks that are in this movement solo because it dilutes the black experience. And so I decided to call them Sala, which separates them from the white gaze, but also is it's still within the so the work that talks about singlehood. So I'm like my sister, my older sister, Kim, she's like, girl, salas need love, too. So it's kind of catchy. And it's a, it's something that's uniquely kind of like ours, but it still does speak to the larger concept of singlehood that is happening. But it's like to the point that I was making earlier, Black people may be single by circumstance. Again, we got to look at these structural forces. It's by design that there's more Black women that have professional degrees than it is Black men. It's not that the Black men just ain't trying. It's like America's not set up for these Black men to get these degrees to the way Black women are. White people could be single by choice. There was a book that was written a couple of years ago, like Love, Eat, Pray, or something like that. This white woman went to like Italy for a year and just wanted to eat.
0: Black
3: woman ain't doing that. Black woman ain't doing that. We just ain't doing that. So, singlehood looks very different for white women and for black women. And I don't want to conflate the two. So, I wanted to make sure I have something that was unique to black America, but still spoke to the larger uh, concept of singlehood.
0: Awesome, awesome, Dr. Chris. I'm so excited that you have not been with us once, but multiple times. And I love. I always tell people, representation managers. And people are like that's just cliche. What does it mean? I'm tell you what it means. With everything's going on in society, you got to have people like Dr. Chris watching, right? And keeping an eye on people because people don't do what they say they're gonna do. They don't do what you know the rules say. They don't do what the books say. They don't do what nothing say. You got to have somebody say, whoa, 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 slow down. And you can only imagine Dr. Chris is keeping an eye on them. Next up, we got my brother, Dr. Daryl J. And for you guys know, we got a long segment tonight, but it's okay. We're having a good time. Grab your favorite drink. We got two segments left. Daryl J is going to bless us with one of his freestyle sex. And then KD, if y'all hang out may have another opportunity for you win another trivia set. Um, But before we transition to Daryl J., Dr. Chris, anything else you would like to share? I love that you mentioned, because I didn't mention it, the single by choice or single by force. O-M-G. That is a real topic. And you kind of went there, right? Anything you want to share with the people before Daryl J. goes next?
3: So I want, like I said, I've got to do a panel in a couple of weeks talking about the dig- digital dating. And again, I'm like, okay, I'm all for digital dating that works for you, so be it, so on and so forth. Uh, but, you know, you got you to be happy, healthy, and whole with your singleness before you start dating. But one of the things that I want people to, a point of caution is that.
0: So check this out, folks. Next week, we're going to be back to our normal programming. You know, if it's your first time in Southern Soul, I want to say Welcome. Because what we do is what we do. We call it black excellence. What we try to focus on is finding what we call the hidden gems in the community. People like Dr. Chris. And connecting them with people like you. We call you guys the curious, right? The intellectual curious. Back back in 1950s, some time frame, they had this group in New York. They called them the New York intellectuals. Well, here at Southern Soul, we have what we call the Southern Soul Intellectuals. You know, the curious type. It don't matter how many degrees you got, one, two, three. All you got to do is be curious. As y'all know, it's a lot going on in society. But we, don't, we ain't here to talk about that. But we're here to show you guys as excellent as possible. When you bring the beautiful ones, the people who really care, the people who do what they do because they have to, they don't put it on their resume. It's something in their heart, right? You know, and what we've developed over these last two years, right, we're in season number two, is the ability to connect the intellectually curious with the hidden gems of the community. And I'm blessed, y'all. I'm blessed to have people like Dr. Daryl J, who just comes and just kind of, I mean, the man is celebrity status, but he drops on down with Southern Souls every now and then, just to let y'all know. I love what y'all doing I appreciate Amisha for being here tonight Because, you know, the girl just is a storyteller She got a lot on her mind You know, and Katie broke it down She's like, you don't understand Amisha be out here, be like, look here I just want a brother to feel like a king You know And if he ain't ready to feel like a king He ain't ready for Amisha You see I like the way Dr. Chris broke it down She's like, look here now You gotta understand what you're dealing with You must, do you not see the rolling? Do you not understand that I can do all that by myself? But what I'm looking for you is for something different to show up where I need you to show up. And don't be treating me like I'm the 10 cent whatever. But I need you to pay attention to what Dr. Chris got going on. And Latoya, OMG, Latoya, she said I ain't always been refined. You know, I didn't have that daddy, to, you know, to be to implement to really show me those things but I'm dedicated to figuring it out and I'm going to walk this walk with you, my brother. But if you ain't ready, you ain't ready. So I just love the beautifulness, right? This black excellence we got. Don't let anybody define who we is, what we is, or whatever. And yes, I took about four or five years of Latin, so I love the English language. And that's why I speak my country grammar. You must understand. You know what I mean? I'm sorry. Slow down, Calvin. Don't do the credentials.
2: And KD always going
0: to keep us happy You know what I mean What would Martin be without Gina You know you know It's something about a Martin-Gina flair, right You know, even Public Enemy had to have a flavor flair You must understand When you got something serious You got to have something not always so serious I know who I am, I know how I look yeah, That's why we got KD, right Because it's about the fam, right We in this thing together. Now, Darryl, I don't know if you know about this music. It's before your time. Now, I told people, this is Isaac Hayes. The good Lord gave him the black African genome. And he told that brother, go make music. Isaac Hayes, y'all.
2: Thank you for joining us at Southern Soul Livestream Talk Show. Join us weekly at soullivestream.com. If you're joining us live, we'll take a quick music break and then come back for discussion with the audience.